Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. As I read from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, pay attention to what the Word of the Lord says in Ecclesiastes 3.1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, There is a reason for your season. Say, my season. Pray with me. God, thank you for being our God. Thank you for being the ruler over all that there is, God. I thank you that you're a God of purpose, reason, and logic. I thank you that you're a living God, and you've given us a living word. And as we look to your word today, I pray that you'd be our teacher, God. I ask you to anoint my mouth and my mind, God. Strengthen my body. Help me to say things that would honor you today, God, and give us ears to hear what you say to us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a reason for your season. I don't know how many of y'all watched the movie, and that's not the important part of it, but there was a movie a long time ago, uh, I think it was either Southern Magnolia, Steel Magnolia, or Fried Green Tomatoes, or one of those corny movies like that, but there was a mean old white woman in the movie, and they were telling her that she was depressed or mental or something, and she's like, I, I'm not depressed, I've just been in a really bad mood for the last 20 years. And that line stuck out above that movie because it resonated with so many people, and sometimes if you're not careful, your life will become elongated seasons that were supposed to have been passing seasons. Mm, see, that's enough right there. That, that's enough for you to think about all week long but because you need to make sure that your seasons are cyclical. The Bible says that God said there would always be winter, spring, summer, and fall. That, that one season would always yield to the next season. The sun comes up and then it goes back down and then it comes back up again. We are, if you can't tell, we're in summer. For all you non-Floridians, people that didn't grow up here, all, all y'all, I just miss the seasons. I just miss, you mean, you miss it snowing 11 months out of the year where you come from. Listen, if you don't think we have seasons, you missed the winter a couple of months ago, and it'll be coming back in a minute because it doesn't matter if it's Rochester, New York, 
or if it's Jacksonville, Florida, there's going to be summer is about to yield way to autumn. That's the rich people way of saying fall. But And then fall is going to give way to winter, going to give way to spring, and we're going to be back, right back into summer. This is how God created life to move. There, 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 there's, there's a season for everything. I have been, now see, here's the thing about coming to abundant life. You can read my hand if you listen to what I say. See, the key to being a good card player is not just knowing what's in your hand, but knowing what's in everybody else's hand. And card players understand that there is this thing that they call tells. Everybody has a tell. You tell on yourself by the way you twitch, by the way you smile, by the way your, your heart rate increases based on what's in your hand. And people can read that that are trained to read that. You don't have to be trained to read anything. If you come to Abundant Life, you're going to hear from God's Word a lot of times what God is saying and doing in me. Because the Scripture says that the trouble that are in me are in my brethren throughout the earth. So the reality is we all come from different backgrounds, different walks of life, live in different neighborhoods, but we all are the same at our base level. We all have the same basic needs, and we all go through very similar issues in life. So many times you'll hear me say stuff like, I'm not telling you what I heard. When I say that, what, I'm, what I mean to say is I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I've lived out. I'm telling you what I've witnessed personally, not something that I just read in a book. And when I tell you that seasons are meant to be cyclical, and if you don't be really careful, your season, instead of passing to the next season, can become elongated. It's because I've been in an elongated season for a really long time in my own life. I've been in, uh, I've had a rough Every year it changes. It, it, it was a rough year. Then it turned into a rough two years. And then it was a rough three years. And, and 11 years ago, uh, I held my wife's hand as she took her last breath and, and, and launched me into single fatherhood. And, and it, it, been, uh, it just seemed like one long 11-year uh, train uh, ride pushing through life. But I want you to know that whether it's me in my personal situation, or you in your personal situation, I want you to embrace the change of seasons in your life, and I don't know when your season is going to end. See, in the natural, every three months. Every three months a new season comes. It doesn't always work that way in the spirit realm or even in the personal realm. Your season might change in three months. You might have an 11-year season. Your season might change in a day, but I want you to prepare to deal with the season that you are in. The thing about change is is, is people hate change, but God wants us to change. God wants us to change. Much of the Christian message is about change. With school starting back in a couple of weeks, I've been thinking about change. We're about to change. Summer's about to end and go into fall. Uh, 
next Sunday, I'm going to change from being 53 to 54. You won't have to ask me, how does it feel to be 54? If you live past 30, you realize that when you change from 53 to 54, it doesn't feel a penny's worth of difference. It was just yesterday. Isn't that right, Ken? Whether you change from 53 to 54 or 70 to 71, it's just one more day on the clock. But we recognize these days. Certain days stand out in the life of each individual. For women, uh, two of the biggest days in a woman's life is the day she turns 30 and the day she turns 40. Psychologists will tell you those those numbers ending in zero for women are like a baseball bat to the head. And it's but really it's just a day. And you were, oh, I'm 30, I'm not in my 20s anymore. Well, you were last week. Don't sweat it. You know, keep breathing, you won't be in your 50s no more. But whether it's 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 me going from 53 to 54 or you stepping out of the rut that you've been in or you transitioning through a great season in your life that you're in now, we need to realize that life comes in seasons and seasons are meant to change. Say change. You don't have to understand every season in your life, but you need to try to remember there is a reason for every season in your life. You don't have to understand why things happen. People have asked me a lot in my life, Pastor, why do you think so-and-so did such-and-such? Pastor, why do you think such-and-such happened to so-and-so? And honestly, I really don't get caught up in that a lot because I learned about the sovereignty of God at a young age in my Christian walk. I realized that God was in control, and my wondering why didn't change anything. Plus, I had a good mama. I had, I had a good mother in the natural, uh, and she never allowed me to terrorize her with, with that question of, you know, that four-year-old question. But why? But why? But why? If your child asks you, but why, more than twice, you need to rip a belt off. And give your child that great mama answer or that great daddy answer, because I said so. See, if you're raised with a because I said so, mindset Christianity will be easy for you and and it's just like the see the military was very easy for me the army was very easy I loved being in the army it never burdened me to do exactly what I was told to do I didn't wonder why why we got to have sleeves up we had sleeves up yeah I never questioned the uniform of the day I never questioned how many miles we were going to run that day somebody said do it we got to do it I was taught from a young age, it ain't your business to ask why, you know, or we can get all philosophical. Ours is not to reason why. Ours is but to do or die. And in my home and in the United States Army, those were both real for me. And the reality is in the kingdom of God, ours is not to question why. Ours is but to do or die. But it will help you if you understand that life is changing. If you're in a bad place, you're not always going to be in a bad place. If you're in a good place, you're not always going to be in a good place. You're going to be up, down. You're going to have good days, bad days, happy days, and sad days. The key is learning what to do with them and how to maximize every season. In our text in verse 1 of Ecclesiastes 3, the Scripture says, To everything there is a season, comma. you got to pause on the punctuation when you read literature, especially the Bible. You don't want to just rush reading 
You want to understand it. Take it in bite-sized pieces. To everything, there is a season. Whatever you can call a thing, there's going to be a season for that. Anything you can call a thing in your life. I'll give you some things that have manifest seasons in my life. Cancer is a thing. Death is a thing. Depression is a thing. Loss is a thing. Joy is a thing. Money is a thing. And being broke is a thing. To everything, there is a season. And a time to every purpose under heaven. Now, here's the thing that a lot of people don't know about the Hebrew language. I, if you've been around church for a while, you should have picked up on this. But the Bible was not originally written in English. The Bible was originally written, the Old Testament was originally written primarily in Hebrew. And the New Testament predominantly in Greek. And in Hebrew... If you read Hebrew, you don't read top to bottom, left to right. You read upside down and sideways. So a lot of times the, 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 the verb is predicated different in Hebrew than it is in English. And the phraseology of the sentence is structured different. So sometimes you have to look at what the bottom is saying to get to where the top is. Well, let me give you an example. To every and a time to every purpose under heaven. All right, here's the literal meaning of that. That's the best rendering you can get for that from Hebrew to English. All right, but if you ever take your time and go to Bible college, take a class called hermeneutics, which is the art and science of properly interpreting Scripture, they'll talk to you about the translation problems. There are gaps between the Hebrew language and the English language. It's no different than gaps between Spanish and English. When I've had people translate for me in Spanish, sometimes because I use, you know, ghettoisms, they'll look at me and be like, and I know they're struggling to find a word that best suits the, what I just said, and they're trying to keep up with me. Well, this is a, this is a great translation, but literally what, what, it, what it should say is that heaven has a purpose for every time. You see, if you read that from right to left, bottom to top, heaven has a purpose for every time. Every time in your life, there's a purpose for it in heaven. This is the literal reading of this in the Hebrew language. Now, you don't have to learn to read Hebrew uh, to understand the Bible. You read how you read it, and God will speak to you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is inside you, and he will teach you if you're born again, but you need to understand that heaven has a purpose for every time and every season in your life. So here's the reality. Why are you going through what you're going through based on what I just said? Because heaven has a what? Heaven has a purpose for the time and the season that you're in. Heaven has a purpose for every time and every season that you're in. If you get that, life's going to be easier on you. I just don't know why I'm going through right now. Because heaven has a purpose for you going through right now. Well, I don't know why they're treating me like this right now. Because heaven has a purpose for them treating you like that right now. Well, I don't know why my body, my healing hasn't manifest yet. Because heaven has a purpose for what you're going through, even in the physical realm. For everything, everything, every time, every season, heaven has a purpose for it. That's why when Jesus was teaching us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, 
he, he said that we should pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me tell you what that means. Let me tell you how that fleshes out in 2017. I'll tell you how I pray. God, I, I pray that today that your will would be done in my life right here today on this earth as you say it should be done in heaven. See, God's got a purpose for how it should be done in heaven. We've just got to line up with that and connect to that here on our day-to-day living. So the purpose for the thing is heavenly. But the one that that thing is being fleshed out on is earthly. The one that that thing's being fleshed out on is me and you. Heaven has a purpose for it. But if you're not lining up, if you won't yield your will, as Jesus said, not my will but yours be done. If you won't yield your will to say, God, let, let your will be done in, in, in earth even as it's done in heaven. That's not talking about deep down in the dirt. That's talking about let, let God's heavenly purpose be done in your earthly life today. So what you got to do is you got to realize, all right. There's a purpose from where I'm at. Stop, stop wondering about everything and connect to the reality. There's a purpose. Heaven's got a purpose for every situation in my life. Heaven's got a purpose for everything that I'm going through. Now, I believe that many theologians have done themselves harm and the people who read behind them harm by trying to break down every phrase in the next 11 verses. Because the redundancy of the phrase is to try to teach the first sentence. It's it's like me telling my kids, if you don't put that down, I am going to wear you out. I promise I am going to take my belt. I am going to march you upstairs. I can go through everything. I'm going to, I am going to strip you naked and lay your crown. But all I'm doing is redundantly reinforcing the first point. Okay, so let's look at this, and many theologians have tried to break this down because sometimes the Bible needs to be broken down phrase by phrase in a very literal way, but sometimes the Bible speaks in tropes, metaphors, analogies, similes. Sometimes it it speaks in redundancy or poetry as it does in this passage. In verse 1 it says, To everything there's a season, a time, to every purpose under heaven. Colon. All right. Learn grammar, learn punctuation, learn how to read between the punctuation. There is an offsetting. What has just been said is about to be offset by a bunch of stuff that's going to substantiate what's already been said. This is too much grammar for some of y'all. Let's just get into the Bible of it. Verse 2 says, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. Now, if you read a lot of commentaries, which I do, if you read a lot of commentaries, you'll find great theologians will try to assess and assign meaning to, well, what the Scripture is saying at this point is that there's a time to be born. Now, theologically, the birth of the creato ex nihilo that means God created everything out of nothing. The birth of the earth and going to a bunch of random stuff. This is just a redundant speech because obviously you had to be born and obviously you've got to die. Well, the phrase a time to die, God wants you to prepare for your death. None of these 
phrases that we're about to look at are as purposeful as the first phrase. Just to get us to understand that everything has purpose. And then it goes on a long list to prove that everything has purpose. There's a time to be born, there's a time to die. That ought to let you know, well, why did so-and-so have to die? Listen, it was his time. It was her time. Well, I don't believe it was supposed to happen that way. Well, I tell you what. You create something out of nothing, call it your own world, bring a race of people to exist, and then you get to make the rules. But until that time, we're living on God's planet, and he sets the boundaries, and he says there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant. Now, we could go, hmm, what must God be saying to us regarding the planting? Nothing. Everybody in this room not going to plant anything. There's people in this room never planted a cucumber seed. Amen. There's people in this room never tried to grow a tomato on the back porch. It's not what it's talking about. It's a redundancy to, 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 to substantiate the first part, a time to pluck up. wonder what God wants us to pluck up. No, this is like trying to pick apart a parable. I've taught y'all for years that a parable has many flowing, moving pieces inside it for God to try to get us to focus on how many things? One big thing. The one big thing has already been told us in verse 1. Heaven has a purpose and a season for everything. Time to be born, time to die. Time to plant, time to pluck up that which is planted. Verse 3, a time to kill and a time to heal. Well, I've told y'all, pay attention to punctual. A time to kill. Hmm, I wonder who we should kill. Perhaps God is superintending to say we should kill the flesh. We should kill, die to ourselves. No, none of that. This is redundancy. It's every, and it's, it's, these are things that happen. It's not necessarily saying this is God's will for it to happen. That's like racists who point to the word slave in the Bible and say that Christianity is for slavery. Christianity is not for slavery. Christianity points out the fact that there were slaves. Christianity is, is, is not for killing. It's just pointing out the fact that there, there's killing going on, there's healing going on, there, there, there's a time to break down. Well, when should we break down, Pastor? Maybe we should all break down in repentance today. It, no, it's just letting you know wherever you look, highest mountain, lowest valley, deepest part of the ocean, where, wherever you go, these things are redundantly trying to get us to see in every situation in life. Verse 4, is a time to weep. And a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn, and there's a time to dance. These should be the stages of your life. You, 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 you ought to cry. Some of y'all ain't cried in a long time. Uh, I cry. I mean, I cry to drop a hat, and sometimes I drop the hat. I mean, I, I, I cry to Bell South commercial. But this is just showing the, 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 the stations of life. This is just show, showing what everyone goes through. If you get to the point, and there are people who cannot cry, and you need to see somebody about that. You, you, if, if you don't connect to your emotions, you need to see somebody about that. If you don't laugh, if you don't cry, if you don't mourn, if you don't dance, you are missing out on facets of life that God intended us to go through. A time to cast away stones. And a time to gather stones. 
This is just speaking to a group of people in terminology that they understood. When I, I don't even want to know, but I, I, I doubt that a lot of us have gone through our yard lately and pulled out all the rocks out of our field. You know that less than one-fifth of an acre you live on? <laughs> that, that, that four inches of grass you got on the sidewalk? Uh, you probably didn't. They, they, they had fields back then, and they would, they would take the, the rocks out of the field uh, to, to get their field ready. There's the time to gather stones. There's a time to cast them away. There's a time to embrace. There's a time to refrain from embracing. That's still building on this whole time thing. Verse 6 says there's a time to get and a time to lose. You don't have to worry about what you're going to get. And you don't have to worry about what you're going to lose. You just need to understand as your life progresses, you're going to have seasons of receiving and seasons of losing. Anybody ever lost anything? Anybody ever got anything? This is the nature of life. This passage is designed to do something that I believe is extremely necessary in 2017. we got to get our minds together. See, there's, the Bible talks about there being pharaohs in the land. Pharaohs in the Bible typify oppression, someone or some system that oppresses God's people. And different, at different times, God's people were oppressed in different ways. Well, I believe that the oppression that we are under now as God's people is in the mental arena. All you got to do is watch a TV commercial and, and find out whatever the new disease is. I told y'all, I make fun of it because I think it's ridiculous. I mean, it, when I was growing up, kids weren't hyperactive. Kids were unruly. And there was a fix for unruly children when I was growing up. Grandmama didn't put up with unruly. You try to tell grandmama, I have a condition. No, you're going to get a condition. Or you're going to get a concussion. hyperactive well that didn't that didn't cover enough ground they couldn't sell enough medicine just for hyperactive so they had to come up with um add hdad fpqlsa yg and b and f and k and all that's just a new disease every month well well i i i i i'm 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 a shy person okay it's all right. You're shy. Some people shy. Some people not shy. Don't buy into the lie of the pharmacy companies. Well, I'm not just shy, Pastor. I, 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 have, uh, I have social nervousness disorder because I'm special. Oh, well, you ain't nearly as special as someone who has social nervousness, anxiety, hyperactivity, attentiveness disorder. And y'all know how I feel about medicine. I don't. Uh, I'm taking it if you have to. But uh, listen, it, it, look, look at the side effects. Be like, it, you won't be shy anymore, but you're going to have heart attack, stroke, blurred vision, blood coming out your eye, anal leakage, death. But you ain't shy no more. You're wide open. You just had to, cl I mean, where's the trade-off? Seasons of life. You got to get to the place in your life where you realize you're going through what you're going through because there's a purpose for it. 
See, I believe the attack in this generation is on the mind. There, there's never been a generation that had more uh, stuff. We've got more stuff. We've got more ease. We've got more access to everything and less contentment than any group of people in the history of this country. Now, I'm not bad on y'all, okay, because I know some of y'all keep a good house, keep, keep a real clean house. But listen, I wish my grandmama was alive to hear women today complaining about, whoo, man, I've been doing the laundry all day long. You wadded up a bunch of clothes and flung them in a sheen to wash them? Well, you sat down and watched Springer, and you've been doing laundry all day long? No. Women used to do laundry all day long, didn't they, Miss Irene? That was a task. Who I've been washing these dishes. <laughs> uh, you rinsed them off, shoved them in the box, closed the drawer, and slid the thing sideways. Listen, we've got more ease, more access. We've got, we got easier life than 700 television channels, 6,000 radio channels on satellite. Less contentment than we've ever had. Why? Because I believe the enemy is oppressing our minds. Depression. Listen, my family grew up, my, my family lived on dirt cotton fields in rural Louisiana and farmed cotton and soybeans all day long. Hard work in the Louisiana heat. Now, that's when you don't live there. It's Louisiana if you live there. It's Louisiana if you're in Florida. But they didn't have time for depression. You know, ask some, some farmer, uh, are you depressed, Farmer Jones? <laughs> depression? I ain't got time for depression. I got work to do. But now in 2017, the whole world is depressed. The whole world is medicated. The whole world is under some type of mental attack. The whole, listen, talk to anybody. You can't find five people. You can't go to five people in this room right now that don't know somebody that's dealing with some type of an emotional disorder. And here's the number one thing that cuts people in their mind. They're living in the why world. Because they don't understand purpose. Why did this happen to me as a child? Why did my parents do this to me? Why did I go through that as a young person? Why did it work out for them but not for me? They're living in a why world instead of living in a real world. And we need to live in a real world with a real God that has real purpose for every season that we're in. Look at verse 7. A time to rent, a time to sow. Well, what should we be sowing, Pastor? Should we have a sowing ministry? A time to keep silence. That's a good one to think about. And a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. Well, what should we hate, Pastor? This is just saying how life is, not necessarily. You don't need to go out and kill people and hate people. Well, the Bible said. Got to hate them and kill them. The Bible said it's a time for me to hate folk. No, it's not telling you there's a time for you to hate anybody. It's just telling you that this is the seasons of life. This is natural living. This is what people go through. We go through war and we go through peace. You don't need to be a warmonger or a pacifist. You just need to understand that life is cyclical. There's going to be ups, downs, good, and bad. 
There's going to be people that love you and people that hate you. And if you're ever doing anything for God, guess what? Your haters will outnumber the people that care about you. I've told you all for years, haterade is free. They're pouring that by the gallon. And you start walking for God. You start loving God. You start changing your community. You just start changing you. And you're going to find out that, that there's, there's a time for people to hate you when you wish there was a time for them to love you. But what we've got to get to the point is where we stop living in why world. Why do they act like that? Well, they're in a season too. God has a purpose for them too. You need to leave them to them and concentrate on what God has for you. I told y'all, uh, this, this, this last 11 years, been like dog years for me, um, hard years. But I know that seasons come and seasons go. I also know that if we don't pay close attention to what's going on in our own personal lives, we can elongate a season that God would have us a step past. I wish I had my seasonal meter. Some of y'all were around. I used to have an old meter for everything. Didn't, didn't I, Nancy? I, I had an old meter for everything. I had a hate old meter, a love old meter. I had a prayer old meter. If I had my season old meter, I'd just like to hang my season old meter in your neck and see have you elongated your season or are you walking in a proper season? Oh, and if I got my season old meter up to you and I put it on your neck, it are you stepping to the next thing, or are you stuck in the last thing? Because if you're stuck in the last thing, you're not living in the now. And God is a right now God. Some people are still stuck off what happened to them in their childhood. Listen, I'm a child of dysfunction. That's not hard to figure out. I came through a lot of crazy stuff in my lifetime. But if I let that be my excuse for everything, I'll never step into functionality as an adult. And I would say at almost 54, it's time for me to step in to the season that God would have for me to step in. And I'm certain that it's time for you to walk in the season that God would have for you to walk in as well. See, as Christians, we don't believe in coincidence. We believe in what theologians call providence, that there's an overriding control system making everything happen. Things don't just happen. There's a purpose behind everything. We don't believe in happenstance. We believe in this theological term, sovereignty of God. And this morning, I want us to consider this theological term, the sovereignty of God. I got a couple of definitions on the screen for you about this word. I like the word just because so few people can spell it. English is, ah, man, I don't know that I'd want to learn English if I didn't live in an English-speaking country. I mean, think about it. You eat with a fork and a what? Uh, well, you, you, you eat steak with a fork and a, okay, but... How, why you got to have a K in that word? Knife? You ever cut your food with a knife? Yeah, you know, you, you get sick, your, your, your lungs start filling up with water, they tell you you're suffering from pneumonia. Why they put a P in front of the word pneumonia? Just, just to make stuff hard to spell? Look at this word, sovereignty. What's that G doing in there? Sovereignty. 
sovereignty. Sovereignty. No, sovereignty. That's how you pronounce that word. And here's what it means. Dominion, rule, power, control, autonomy. Self, autonomy means self-government. It's all, all these are part of what God does for everything. God has complete dominion, total rule, total power, total control. He's autonomous. He's self-governing. Put the next phrase up there for me, guys. It's the exclusive right to exercise supreme, supreme political authority over a geographic region, group of people, or oneself. When countries break away, like when back, back when uh, America was involved in the Cold War and the USSR was still a block and countries were breaking away from that, the control of the uh, USSR, they were becoming what they were calling sovereign countries. They were becoming under their own control. What that means is nobody can tell us what to do. America became a sovereign country when it rebelled against England and put us in a rebellious state that we still exist in today. That's a different message for a different time. But America is a sovereign country. Nobody can tell America what to do but America. All right, here's the problem with individuals. Most people think they're in control of their own life. And I want to tell you something today. This is the point. Don't miss this. You choose who's in control of you. You choose who's in control of you. God wants to be in control of you. But God will allow you to be in control of you. God wants to sit as if it were on the throne of dominion in your life. But God will allow you to sit on your own throne of dominion and run your own life. Now, it doesn't take a theologian or a brain surgeon to figure out the right answer to the question, who would do a better job running your life, you or God? But do we usually let God have his way in our life, or do we run our own thing? We run our own thing so much to the point where there are people still wearing bumper stickers that just make me want to crash them off the road. God is my co-pilot. Theologically, that's offensive. Theologically, there's, there's, there's a whole problem with that statement because the pilot is in charge over the co-pilot. If God is your co-pilot, you, you, God ain't in your cabin because God don't accept co-piloting. See, the, the song that made uh, the blonde-haired girl all that money, um, American Survive, uh, Idol, uh, her, Jesus Take the Wheel. Okay, well, we study a lot about biblical principles at Abundant Life. We're a Bible church. Okay, we study a lot about inference. I told y'all, if I say, man, if you don't sit up straight, I don't have to finish. I've inferred a whole lot right there. Okay, so the, the Bible infers a lot. Authoritarian figures infer a lot. God infers a lot. When someone says, Jesus, take the wheel, what does that infer? She had her wheel the whole time. She waited till her car spinning about to crash, and she's all, you know, upside down, sideways, calling out on God, Jesus. You better let Jesus take your wheel before you get upside down and sideways. Jesus, take the wheel. God is not into co-piloting your life. God is not into taking the wheel when you get in a wreck. 
get in the back seat and let God take everything he wants. And sit in the trunk if he tells you to. We got to learn how to let God be the supreme authority over us as a group of people. And here's the task for today. Here's the word for the day. Here's, here's what we need to get to today. Who's running your life? See, if God is running your life, it'll be obvious. You'll treat people different. You'll treat yourself different. you treat your time different. You'll, 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 you'll treat what you read different. you treat what you put in your ears. See, there's, 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 there's this attack on us. Things are trying to get at your heart. The, the Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy what God is building on the inside of you. And there's, there's some very easy access points to get on the inside of you, your eye gates. Your eyes are gates to the inside of you. Stuff can go into you through your eye, your ears, your mouth, your nose. All these are gates of access and entry point. If God is controlling you, listen, I promise you this. You go to basic training in Fort Dix, New Jersey in the 80s, you don't get to pick what's on the menu. They're screaming at you the whole time. Swallow it, swallow it. We don't have time to chew. Let's go, 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 go. And whatever they put on your plate. You don't get to ask, oh, could, could, could my kids will tell you, if I order toast, when we go out to a breakfast joint, it's always lightly toast. I do not want some burnt piece of crumbling, bite into it, and it just explode on me when I bite into it, like, like a, you know, a, a crumble fest. I want lightly, to, you can't walk up to the chow line at Fort Dix, New Jersey, when they're rushing you through and say, oh, by the way, excuse me, uh, could I get some lightly Toasted white toast with butter? No. Because the United States Army is sovereign over the life of its recruits. It tells them exactly what time to get up, what time to shave, what time to shower, what time to eat, what you will eat, and what you'll do throughout the course of the day. We have a choice to make as God's children. We'll do what our Father tells us to do, or we will be rebellious. Rebellious, bad kids. Same choice I give my sons every day. Do what I say. Or you can see what it's like when you don't do what I say. And here's the sad reality. Most people that claim the name of Christ are operating in lack. And the reason they're operating in lack is because they're rebellious, bad children that won't do what the Father says. God has already determined that he's large and in charge. God has already determined that he's the big boss. God has already determined it's his world and he makes the rules. God has already determined he's in charge. He is supreme over everything. And if we choose to buck that system, there's consequences. Go to Fort Dix, New Jersey. Sign up. My sons are, are, are counting days. My, they're going in the military. Listen, when they get there, all their choice is out. It's hilarious, man. It is hilarious. I, I look at Sergeant Major because he did more time in the Army than me and everybody. But it's hilarious that the Army takes us, doesn't allow us to think for ourselves, but, but then want us to take initiative. <laughs> if you've been in the military, you know that speech. Show initiative, soldier. Thought I was supposed to stand here like a robot and wait on you to tell me to breathe. 
God has already determined that he is your father. God's already determined it's not your house, it's his house. It's not your car, it's his car. It's not your kids, it's his children. The Bible says we are managers of the things that we have, but not owners. You go to a restaurant, typically there's a manager in there that everybody will say, well, they, you got to talk to the manager. They don't want to make all the rules. Well, that's the way it appears. They don't make all the rules. There's an owner there that makes all the rules. The owner might not actually be there, but the owner's still making all the rules. God may not actually appear to be present in your home, but God has determined if you call him your father that he is the one who's in charge. See, Western civilized living has messed us up. Most of us didn't grow up with fathers, not just us at Abundant Life. Now, I think we probably are the extreme end of that. I didn't grow up with a father, didn't grow up with a father figure. Didn't, and, and listen, women, I, I feel for single mothers. My, my mom was a single mother for a lot, a lot of my life. And there comes a time in, 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 a, in a young man's life when he just gets too big for a, for a woman to tell him what to do. And he just thinks, he just starts feeling himself. Ladies, that's when you got to get a bat, a stick, uh, 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 you know, a 911 phone call. You, you, you got to let him know. doesn't matter how deep his voice gets or how strong he becomes. You, you, even if you don't think you can physically do it, you just need to remind yourself, I, I brought you in, I'll take you out. But we live in this culture without fathers. We live in this culture without authority. We live in this rebellious culture where children just run wild and tell parents what to do. That doesn't work well for Christianity. That doesn't prepare us well for our transition from being unsaved to being saved. Because you're out, we all at some point were unsaved, and if you're saved, it's because you got saved. The Bible says you have to receive power to become a child of God. So when we were unsaved and became saved, we still brought us into the equation. And if we were rebellious, anti-authoritarian people, and then somebody tells us that God is sovereign and he's in supreme control over your life, who, me? I got to do me. And there's that issue in America. Other countries, eastern countries don't deal with it as much. Eastern countries are used to being around royalty. Eastern countries are used to having a royal walk into a room and everybody puts their head on the ground. Humble. We don't, we don't deal with that a lot in America. Not just royals, but fathers. You look at eastern civilized countries. You, <laughs> there ain't a whole lot of questioning what the, what the old man says. They might have nine families living in one house. There's one old man in the room somewhere. And what he says is law. And nobody's bucking that system because they understand fathering. We don't do a good job with fathering in America by and large because we, we've got this whole this fatherless culture that we've raised up. But whether you had a father or whether you don't have a father, if you call yourself saved now, you need to realize the father that you have is God, and you need to listen to what he says. The sovereignty of God is not forced, but is it, it is existent non the same. God will not force his rule on you, but his rule is existent non the same. God will not force you to pray today, 
But if you don't pray today, you suffer consequence. God will not force you to read the Bible today. But if you don't read the Bible today, you will suffer consequence. God will not force you to pay tithes and offerings to love him and, and love people. He will not force you to sing praise and give worship. He will not force you to serve your community. But if we don't do these things, we will suffer consequence. Because God said, I put a choice before you. Obey and be blessed. It's the same choice every parent put on every child that ever lived. <laughs> All right, Junior, you got a choice right now. It's a teaching moment. We're in a fork in the road. You do what I say. You keep breathing. <laughs> you, 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 you go your own way. Some, somebody asked me, uh, Pastor Scott, you think, uh, do you, could, could one of your sons ever you know, just do something really crazy like pierce up their whole face and get face tattoos? Well, I don't know if they could do it. They couldn't do it and live in my house. I know that much. I mean, the father has rule over his house. Guess what? The whole earth is God's house. So we got to come to a position where we're either willing to obey God and yield to his rule or just continue to live in the anarchy that most Christians are living in. Most Christians are in a state of anarchy against the supreme ruler who is God. We got to believe that God's in control of everything. We got to believe that everything that happens for a reason because the Bible says God's working all things according to the purpose of his own good will. The Bible says he takes counsel from no one, but he does whatsoever his soul desires that he will accomplish. What's happening is, what you, you want to know how I know? Not, not, a, not, a, not a big fan, but you want to know how I know that the, that the man that's the president of America right now, that, that, that the reason Donald Trump is the president of the United States because God determined Donald Trump be the president of the United States. Doesn't matter if you voted for him or not. It's just like people who didn't vote for President Obama. President Obama was president of the United States. Because God determined he'd be the president of the United States. Nothing could stop that. You say, well, how do you know, Pastor, that, that it was God's will? Because it happened. It was God's will for it to be raining this morning. How do I know? Because it happened. And God is the one making everything happen. We can either recognize that or we can fight against it. But God has a purpose for everything. And if you would just get in your mind, I can't make the sun shine. But I can be thankful for the sunshine. I can't make the rain come. But I can be thankful for the rain to come. I can't make people be nice to me all the time. But I can be grateful to have people in my life. You're not in control. That's the whole message. You're not in control. If you be honest, the control freaks in the room. They struggle with that so hard. Christianity will be difficult for you as long as you continue to fight that. You will never be stronger than your heavenly father. You will never be bigger britches, bigger britches than God. You will never be in control of this planet, and you will never be the master of your own domain. We will always be subservient to the God who is sovereign over everything. Even when the devil's messing with your situation, God gives us this Bible. He says, we have these stories for our examples so that we can learn from them. We, we look at the life of Job, of Job. The Bible says that one day 
the devil went up to heaven, was accusing people down on the earth, and talking bad about followers of Jehovah. And God said, the devil didn't say, hey, God, how about I go mess with Job? God said, hey, why don't you go mess with Job? God said, have you considered my servant Job? Boy, if I'm Job, I'm thinking, shh. Turning the devil loose on me, killing my children, taking all my money, wrecking up my life in one day. But we saw even through the life of Job that as much as the devil did to harm Job, everything that he did, he did based on God's purpose and parameter. God sets a parameter of how far things can go bad in your life. But if you sit and concentrate on how bad things are, you're going to build them up bigger in your mind than they really are instead of realizing, you know, the devil might be messing with me right now, but it's only so far he can go till God's going to turn him around and I'm going to step into a different season. This is how you take control of every thought is what the Bible has commanded us to do. God's got a reason for your season, up, down, good, bad, happy, sad. God has a reason for where you are. Most seasons in our life are easily defined as good seasons or bad seasons. Some are more hard to define and, and want to push you into that why living. Don't, don't yield to why. Just yield to living. You don't have to know why. You may feel like, well, that's just the type of person I am. I'm intellectual. I'm, I'm a control freak. I need to know why. No, you don't need to know why. You need to trust that your father knows why. My kids don't know how to get to the waterfall I go sit at two, three, four, five times a year in Greenville, South Carolina. They don't know how to get there. They, they, they've been there 20, 30 times in their life. They don't know how to get there. They can't find Interstate 26 because they don't have to pay attention to where the car's going when they're sitting in it. They're watching movies. They're, they're, they're talking, they're sleeping, they're, they're looking out the window. They don't have to pay attention to the destination because their father already told them, we're going to Greenville, South Carolina. It's going to take us a while to get there, but we get there tonight sometime. And they're just fine with that. Why can't we be fine with our lives? God has a destination for you to get to. Just start enjoying the journey. Stop trying to figure out what's next and just enjoy the journey. Stop trying to figure out how it's going to turn out down the road and live in the now. Sometimes it's going to be good. Sometimes it's going to be bad. The Scripture declares that. Listen to what the Word says in 1 Peter 1.6. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. <laughs> Listen to how strange the Christian life can appear to non-Christians. Wherein you greatly rejoice. Wherein? Because of the place you're in, you have great rejoicing. Okay, well, what is this place? Well, it's a place of heaviness, lots of temptations, and a tough season. Woo! Let's rejoice in that. It's not natural. But God saved you in a supernatural way. You need to be able to look at a difficult situation and say, I thank God that it ain't worse than it is. You need to be able to look at a difficult situation and say, I thank God that it won't always be this way. 
You need to be able to look at a difficult situation, even if a physical malady afflicts you, even as it did Paul, even as his back has done me. Listen, my back is, my kids have asked me many times, Dad, when's all this praying going to kick in for your back? Thousands of people praying for my back. We got 13 churches in Africa. They're praying right now. During the last four days of every month, they fast and pray. And one of the things they're praying for is for God to supernaturally heal my back. When is all that going to kick in? I don't know, but I'm not going to live in Y world. I'm going to live in real world. And I know that one day this back will get better either in this life or in the next life. It is just a season. So I cannot be thwarted in what God has for me to do. So I got to rejoice. Because the Bible says in everything, rejoice. Can you rejoice when your teeth hurt? Can you rejoice when your back hurts? Can you rejoice when they're hunting for your car and you're not sure if you closed the garage door last night? Can you rejoice when the lights are off and you got three more days till you can get them cut back on? Mm. The Bible tells us to rejoice in everything. You say, all right, Pastor, all that's good, that's cool. God's in control. I'm not the boss. God's the boss. Sovereign with a G in it. I got all that, but what do you want me to do with it? All right, real quick. Number one, recognize that God's in control no matter how things look. That ought to be on the screen. Recognize that God is in control no matter how things look. What if somebody is fighting against you, even in your own home? Realize God's still in control of that. What, what, if, what if stuff's not going right in your relationships? What if stuff's not going right in your money? What if your money's funny and your family is fickle and your faith is failing? What if, what if everything seems going sideways? You need to realize God's in control no matter what it looks like. And rest in that. See, if, if you're one of those people that got to sit up there and, 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 you know, some of y'all, not backseat, but side seat drivers, y'all sitting in the passenger seat pressing the floorboard, trying to find the brake pedal, don't work. You can't side seat God. You, and, and you, if, if my children were to ask me, Dad, how much longer is it going to be? How much longer? They know. When I say, ask me one more time. I don't really mean ask me one more time. I mean, don't ask me that same question again. We're going to get there when we get there. You got to trust in that. And I'm going to find it. I'm going to get to it. And I'll let you know when we get there. You got to understand God's in control no matter what things look like. And there's a purpose for what he's doing. Number two, you need to embrace the place you are. Embrace the place you are. God wants you to enjoy your life. You can't enjoy your life looking back and looking forward. Your life is not lived looking back or looking forward. Your life can only be lived today. Paul said the key to his victory was to forget the things that were behind him and to live in the now. You got to press forward in your today. You got to make the today the best day you can make it. Embrace. The, well, I just I just can't wait and, until I I get my promotion at work. Eh, you still have challenges. I just can't wait until I move into a different. Eh, it's always going to be something. Embrace where you are. Love what you got. Embrace what you do. Do the best you can with what you have and be thankful for it. Realize I'm where I'm at by God's design. And embrace it. Own it. Own it. Listen, my air conditioner comes and goes on that navigator. It's about to turn 200,000 miles on that thing. And listen, I thank God when it works. And I got to embrace it when it don't. Embrace your place. Accept what is. And don't let what isn't drive you crazy. That's the work of the devil in your life. I come to shine light 
on, on that falsehood today. I come to drive that darkness out by telling you the truth. God is in control, and you cannot change everything. Embrace where you are. Last thing, number three, realize that seasons change. Realize that seasons change. It is not always going to be that way. It's not always going to be that way. That's why people who are very young, I went into the military a little older than, than other people. I'd already been in college, and I went in. I was 21, 22 years old. I was in there with a bunch of 18 and 19-year-olds. And some of them were crying themselves to sleep every night. And saying just crazy stuff. He hates me. He hates me. He wants to kill me. And I'm like, it's a game, son. He's just doing his job. This, he don't know you. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's eight and a half weeks. We're going to be out of here. You got to understand, it's, it, it, seasons are going to change. It's not, you're not always going to be where you are. Don't freak out about where you are. Get the best out of what you have where you are. But realize, you're going to change. Might be for better, might be for worse, but seasons change regardless. You may like summer. I, I like summer. I'd, I'd rather it be 95 than 65. That's just how I am. I understand that makes me different than most people. I know some people are ready for summer to be over and for fall to come in and be looking forward to winter so they can wear their winter clothes. No, I want to be blue jean t-shirt everywhere all year round. I live in Florida by, for a reason. But embrace where you're at. Know it's going to change. Get the most out of where you are, but realize it's going to change. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to go through all those stations in life. And here's the last thing I want to tell you. God knows right where you are. And he loves you right there. He wants to do something in your life right where you are. God is not waiting on you to learn more Bible so he'll love you. He loves you right where you are. God is not waiting on you to become a better person so he can do something in your life. He wants to do something in the you that is you, not the you that other people say you should be. Give control to God of your life. See, that's why I gave up a long time ago trying to make people how I thought they should be. You're okay with how you are? Give God all the control in your life that you can give him and let him take you to the next place. Be the best you you can be. People who are always looking, well, when I get this, I'll be happy. When I get that, I'll be happy. When I finally do this, I'll be happy. When I move to my next station in life, no, that's, that's just all a boo game. That's a lie. It doesn't work like that. If you can't be happy where you are, you will never be happy. You need to learn how to be happy broke. You need to learn how to be content with what you have. Learn how to be happy rich. Be content with what you have. Money doesn't bring happiness. That's the lie America lives on. The American dream is a lie. A house with a two-car garage, a fence and a dog, that, that, that's not the answer to everything. If that's you, let that be you and enjoy it. Maybe you're a cat person. Maybe you're like us, my family. We don't do animals in my home. But wherever you are, maximize it. 
Pursue the present. Live in the now. You can't change what happened to you. We got people in this room that were raped, molested, abandoned, walked out on, mistreated, dealt with harshly, suffered injustice, been victimized of everything from from racism to rape. It's real. Fighting, struggling, trying to come out of addiction. Things are real. But you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. That's just part of your story. That's just part of the plan. That's just part of the journey. But you're not supposed to be stuck in that. You are not supposed to be stuck. We are called by God victorious. Don't let the fact that you have been victimized make you live your life as a victim. Throw away that victim mentality because God says you're more than a conqueror. God says that you are victorious. You just got to process through to get to that victory. I told you between every promise and every promised land is a journey that is usually a wilderness difficult journey keep going through your journey walk on Christian walk on through your journey walk through your journey and stop living in I wonder why and deal with this is my life with God as my guide I'm gonna do the best I can this is my life I don't like the hand I've been dealt. I'll tell you the truth. I don't like it. And I could be stuck. I could be stuck. I've already buried most of the people I have cared the most about in my life. Family, spouse. I don't like the hand I've been dealt all the time. But it is what the IS is. And you need to live with that. I don't know where you're at in your life, but it is what it is. Now go make the most of it. I don't know where you're at financially, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, mentally. I don't know where you're at, but I can tell you this. God has a purpose for where you are. Pass the test so you can move on to your next season. I've been failing the same tests a lot in my life. That's how you elongate your season, by not passing the test in that season. And you get stuck in that season longer than you ought to be there. It's like that dude that redid seventh grade at Jane Weldon Johnson four times. Nobody's supposed to do seventh grade four times. Some of us been doing seasons too long. Alcoholism might have been part of your story. Move on from it. Struggle, rape, molestation, whatever it was. That's all, that's where your story. But move on from it. And be the man, the woman that God wants you to be. And the only way to do that is to say, have your way, God. Start saying that out of your mouth this week. Have your way. Have your way, God. Have your way. People at work acting crazy, have your way, God. 
you feel like you're being victimized and treated unfairly, have your way, Lord. Have your way. And as you begin to recognize God's authority in your life, you'll find out God can open doors for you that no man can close. Let God have his way. Let God be your king. Let God be the supreme ruler in your life because he can do better with our life than we can do on our own. Pray with me. God, thank you for being the God of every season. God, we recognize that you have purpose for all of our pain. We recognize that you have a reason for every season. And we recognize you as our supreme ruler. God, I pray that you would rule over my life and over this church. The people in this church, God, we ask you to have your way, Lord. I pray that your will would be done in this church the way you say it should be done in heaven. God, I pray your will be done in my own personal life the way you say it should be done in heaven. God, I pray that I would live the way I should, give the way I should, worship the way I should, and love the way I should. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your son on the cross. Thank you for providing us your spirit to dwell on the inside of us, to always be with us through every season. We love you and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.